Chapter One, Part Three of Books Fatal to Their Authors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Margaret Espayat. Books Fatal to Their Authors by Peter H. Ditchfield. Chapter One, Part Three. The Jansenist Louis Lemaitre, better known under the name of de Sassy, was imprisoned in the Bastille on account of his opinions and also for his French translation of the New Testament, published at Mont in 1667, and entitled Le Nouveau Testament du Notre Seigneur Jésus-Christ, traduit en français selon l'édition vulgate, avec les différences du grec. This famous work, known by the name of the New Testament of Mont, has been condemned by many popes, bishops, and other authorities. Louis Lemaitre was assisted in the work by his brother, and the translation was improved by Arnaud and Nicole. Pope Clement IX described the work as rash, pernicious, different from the Vulgate, and containing many stumbling-blocks for the unlearned. When confined in the Bastille, Le Maître and his friend Nicolas Fontaine wrote Les Figures de la Bible, which work is usually attributed to the latter author. According to the Jesuits, the Port Royalists are represented under the figure of David, their antagonists as Saul. Louis the Fourteenth appears as Rehoboam, Jezebel, Ahasuerus, and Darius. But these fanciful interpretations are probably due to the imagination of the critics. The fate of Gaspar Boyka enforces the truth of that old adage that a shoemaker ought to stick to his last, and shows that those men court adversity who meddled with matters outside their profession. Boyka was a doctor of medicine in the Academy of Württemberg, and wrote several works on astronomy, medicine, and history. He was a friend of Melanchthon, and became imbued with Calvinistic notions, which he manifested in his publication of the works of the Reformer. On account of this he was imprisoned eleven years. By the favor of the elector he was at length released, and wrote a history of his captivity, a curious work, entitled A Treatise on Divination, was published by Poika at Württemberg, written in Latin, in 1552. He ranks among the most learned men of Germany of the sixteenth century. There were many fatal books in Holland during the famous controversy between the Arminians and the Gomorists, which ended in the famous Synod of Dort, and for vehemence, bigotry, and intolerance, is as remarkable as any which can be found in ecclesiastical history. The learned historian Grotius was imprisoned, but he wrote no book which caused his misfortune. Indeed, his books were instrumental in his escape, which was effected by means of his large box containing books brought into the prison by his wife. When removed from the prison, it contained not the books, but the author, Vorstius, the successor of Arminius as professor of theology at Leiden, was not so happy. His book, Tractatus de Deo, Seo de Natura e Attributis Dei, aroused the vengeance of the Gomorists, and brought about the loss of his professorship and his banishment from Holland. But any injustice might have been expected from that extraordinary synod, where theology was mystified, religion disgraced and Christianity outraged. 
Few books have created such a sensation in the world or aroused so prolonged a controversy as Les Réflexions Morales of Pasquier Quenel, published in 1671. The full title of the work is Le Nouveau Testament en Français avec des réflexions morales sur chaque verset, pour les quatre évangiles seulement. Graslard was the publisher. In 1693 and 1694 appeared another edition, containing his réflexion morale, not only on the Gospels, but also on the Acts and the Epistles. Many subsequent editions have appeared. Not only France, but the whole of the Western Church was agitated by it, and its far-reaching effects have hardly yet passed away. It caused its author a long period of incarceration, it became a weapon in the hands of the Jesuits to hurl at the Jansenists, and the papal bull pronounced against it was the cause of the separation of a large body of the faithful from the communion of the Roman Church. Its author was born at Paris in 1634 and was educated in the congregation of the oratory. Appointed director of its school in Paris, he wrote Pensée chrétienne sur les quatre évangiles, which was the germ of his later work. In 1684 he fled to Brussels, because he felt himself unable to sign a formulary decreed by the Oratorians, on account of its acceptance of some of the principles of Descartes to which Arnold and the famous writers of the school of Port Royal always offered vehement opposition. A second edition of Réflexion Morale appeared in 1694 with the approval of Dunois, then Bishop of Chalon, afterwards Archbishop of Paris. But a few years later, by the intrigues of the Jesuits, and by the order of Philip V, Quesnel was imprisoned at Machelin. In 1703 he escaped and retired to Amsterdam, where he died in 1719. But the history of the book did not close with the author's death. It was condemned by Pope Clement XI in 1708 as infected with Jansenism. Four years later an assembly of five cardinals and eleven theologians sat in judgment upon it. Their deliberations lasted eighteen months, and the result of their labors was the famous bull Unigenitus, which condemned one hundred and one propositions taken from the writings of Quenelle. The unreasonableness and injustice of this condemnation may be understood from the following extracts. Proposition 50. It is in vain that we cry to God, my Father, if it is not the spirit of love that cries. This is described as pernicious in practice and offensive to pious ears. Proposition 54. It is love alone that speaks to God, it is love alone that God hears. This, according to the cardinals, is scandalous, temerarious, impious, and erroneous. The acceptance of the bull was a great stumbling-block to many churchmen. Louis the Fourteenth forced it upon the French bishops, who were entertained at a sumptuous banquet given by the Archbishop of Strasbourg, and by a large majority decided against the Canaanites. It is unnecessary to follow the history of this controversy further. France was long agitated by it, and the Church of Holland was and is excommunicate from Rome, mainly on account of its refusal to accept the bull Unigenitus, which was called forth by, and so unjustly condemned, Quesnel's famous book. In connection with the history of this bull, 
we may mention the work of one of its most vehement opponents, Pierre-François Le Courrier, of the Order of the Canons Regular of St. Augustine, who wrote a book of great interest to English churchmen, entitled Dissertation sur la validité des ordinations anglicaines, Bruxelles. This book was condemned and its author excommunicated. He retired to the shelter of the church, whose right of succession he so ably defended, and died in London in 1776. Few authors have received greater honor for their works, or endured severer calamities on account of them, than the famous Florentine preacher Savonarola. Endowed with a marvelous eloquence, imbued with a spirit of enthusiastic patriotism and intense devotion, he inveighed against the vices of the age, the worldliness of the clergy, the selfish ease of the wealthy while the poor were crying for bread in want and sickness. The good citizens of Florence believed that he was an angel from heaven, that he had miraculous powers, could speak with God and foretell the future, and while the women of Florence cast their jewels and finery into the flames of the bonfire of vanities, the men, inspired by the preacher's dreams of freedom, were preparing to throw off the yoke of the Medicis and proclaim a grand Florentine republic. The revolution was accomplished, and for three years Savonarola was practically the ruler of the new state. His books were Commentatiuncula de Mahumatanorum Secta, Triumphus Crucis, Sive de Fede Christianae Veritate, in four books, De Simplicitate Vitae Christianae, in five books, and Compendium Revelationis, and many volumes of his discourses, some of which are the rarest treasures of Incunabula. The austerity of his teaching excited some hostility against him, especially on the part of the monks who did not belong to his order, that of the Dominicans. He had poured such bitter invective both in his books and in his sermons upon the vices of the popes and the cardinals that they too formed a powerful party in league against him. In addition, the friends of the Medicis resented the overthrow of their power, and the populace, ever fickle in their affections, required fresh wonders and signs to keep them faithful to their leader. The opportunity of his enemies came when Charles the Eighth of France retired from Florence. They accused Savonarola of all kinds of wickedness. He was cast into prison, tortured, and condemned to death as a heretic. In what his heresy consisted, it were hard to discover. It was true that when his poor, shattered, sensitive frame was being torn and rent by the cruel engines of torture, he assented to many things which his persecutors strove to wring from him. The real cause of his destruction was not so much the charges of heresy which were brought against his books and sermons, as the fact that he was a person inconvenient to Pope Alexander the Sixth, On the 23rd of May, 1498, he met his doom in the great piazza at Florence, where in happier days he had held the multitude spellbound by his burning eloquence. There sentence was passed upon him. Stripped of his black Dominican robe and long white tunic, he was bound to a gibbet, strangled by a halter, and his dead body consumed by fire, his ashes being thrown into the river Arno. Such was the miserable end of the great Florentine preacher, whose strange and complex character has been so often discussed, 
and whose remarkable career has furnished a theme for poets and romance writers, and forms the basis of one of the most powerful novels of modern times. Not only were the inquisitors and the cardinals guilty of intolerance and their stern rigor of persecution, but the reformers themselves, when they had the power, refrained not from torturing and burning those who did not accept their own particular belief. This they did not merely out of a spirit of revenge conceived against those who had formerly condemned their fathers and brethren to the stake, but sometimes we see instances of reformers slaughtering reformers, because the victims did not hold quite the same tenets as those who were in power. Poor Michael Servetus shared as hard a fate at the hands of Calvin as ever heretic did at the hands of the Catholics, and this fate was entirely caused by his writings. The author was born in Spain, at Villanueva in Aragon, in 1509. At an early age he went to Africa to learn Arabic, and on his return settled in France, studying law at Toulouse and medicine at Lyon and Paris. But the principles of the Reformed religion attracted him. He studied the scriptures in their original languages and the writings of the fathers and schoolmen. Unhappily, his perverse and self-reliant spirit led him into grievous errors with regard to the doctrine of the Trinity. In vain the gentle reformer Urculampadius at Basel reasoned with him. He must needs disseminate his opinions in a book entitled De Trinitatis Erroribus, which has handed the name of Servetus down to posterity as the author of errors opposed to the tenets of the Christian faith. Bucca declared that he deserved the most shameful death on account of the ideas set forth in this work. In his next work, Dialogues on the Trinity and a Treatise on the Kingdom of Christ, Servetus somewhat modified his views and declared that his former reasonings were merely those of a boy speaking to boys, but he blamed rather the arrangement of his book than retracted the opinions he had expressed. He also annotated Pagnini's Latin version of the sacred scriptures, entitled Biblia Sacra Latina ex Hebreo per Sanctum Pagninum, cum prefatione escolis Michaelis Vianovi, Lugduni Aporta, 1542, in folio. This edition was vigorously suppressed on account of the notes of Servetus. After sojourning some time in Italy, he returned to France in 1534 and settled at Lyon, where he published a new and highly esteemed edition of the Geography of Ptolemy, inscribing himself as Michael Vianovanus, from the name of his birthplace. His former works had been published under the name of Reeves, formed by the transposition of the letters of his family name. In Paris he studied medicine and began to set forth novel opinions which led him into conflict with other members of the faculty. In one of his treatises, he is said to have suggested the theory of the circulation of the blood. In 1540 he went to Vienne and published anonymously his well-known work De Restutione Christianismi. This book, when its authorship became known, brought upon him the charge of heresy, and he was cast into prison. Powerful friends enabled him to escape, and his enemies were obliged to content themselves with burning his effigy and several copies of his books in the marketplace at Vienne. Servetus determined to fly to Naples, but was obliged to pass through Geneva, where at the instigation of the great reformer Calvin 
he was seized and cast into prison. It is unnecessary to follow the course of Servetus' ill-fated history, the bitter hostility of Calvin, the delays, the trials, and colloquies. At length he was condemned, and the religious world shuddered at the thought of seeing the pile lighted by a champion of the Reformation and religious freedom. Loud and awful shrieks were heard in the prison when the tidings of his sentence were conveyed to Servetus. Soon the fatal staff was broken over his head as a sign of his condemnation, and on the chapel hill, outside the gates of Geneva, the last tragic scene took place. With his brow adorned with a crown of straw sprinkled with brimstone, his fatal books at his side, chained to a low seat, and surrounded by piles of blazing faggots, the newness and moisture of which added greatly to his torture, in piteous agony Servetus breathed his last, a sad spectacle of crime wrought in religion's name, a fearful example of how great woes an author may bring upon himself by his arrogance and self-sufficiency. The errors of Servetus were deplorable, but the vindictive cruelty of his foes creates sympathy for the victim of their rage, and Calvin's memory is ever stained by his base conduct to his former friend. End of chapter 1, part 3